What's up, Whittier? Welcome to What's Up, Whittier, a homegrown podcast. A podcast to showcase Whittier's businesses, personalities, and hidden treasures. Hey everybody, producer Christine here. But I did want to let you know that this is part of our City Council Candidate Series. Early Election Day starts on February 22nd and actual Election Day is on March 3rd. Here at What's Up Whittier, we believe in democracy and having an open forum for candidates to really come from the heart and talk about why they're running for office. So I hope you enjoy this series in the next few episodes. Thank you for listening, subscribing, leaving us reviews for What's Up Whittier. As you know, this is a free community resource to everybody. So we're here, we're interviewing our future representatives, and we want you to get out the vote. If you're not registered to vote, you can head to lavote.net to check your registration and register people to vote. If you know kids or teenagers that are 16 and up, did you know they can actually pre-register to vote? Definitely. So go to lavote.net and get people pre-registered. And again, thank you so much for tuning in to What's Up Whittier. You can follow all of our social media. Check us out at What's Up Whittier on Instagram and Facebook, at What's Up 562 on Twitter, and check out our new website, whatsupwhittier.xyz. And also check out all of our social media, the team. You can check out Remo the Realtor at remotherealtor.com and everything at Remo the Realtor. And you can follow Jesse the Architect at J2Architects on Facebook, Instagram, and J2Architects.com. But you can head over to ChristineSingerLuna.com if you're interested in notary services, because I am a notary. Thank you so much, everybody, for following along with What's Up Whittier and for trusting us to bring you this type of resourceful information. Now, take it away, Jesse and Remo. What's up, Whittier? Dun, da, da, da. Welcome, everybody. We're uh, we're back at it again. Here doing our our city council and mayor um, series where we're inter- interviewing all the potential candidates. And today we actually uh, are getting into our mayor candidates. And today we have uh, Luis Reyes, who's running for mayor uh, twenty twenty. Welcome. Yes. Uh, thank you for having me, Jesse. I really appreciate it. Um, Great to be here. Thank you, thank you. And obviously, again, kind of to kind of remind everybody out there who's listening to our podcast and following us, um, you know, we're going to go through the same questions we've we've uh, been asking our previous candidates, uh, Lewis. So, so what is? Uh, I guess introduce yourself. Tell us, tell us who Lewis is. Okay, great. Um, so, I've been a resident of Whittier for twenty eight years. Moved in here, called him in my home. Um, I actually followed my mom. Um, <clears throat> Um, I was, I think, about 20, 20, 21, and my mom moved in um, with my younger brothers and sisters. I'm the oldest of eight, and, you know, I, I followed her. I was like, okay, I'm going to go be close to my mom. You know, back then, you know, living on my own, it was easy to rent a room or rent a studio, so it was great. Um, loved the city. And... You know, since that time, you know, my family has grown. Four generations of my family now live here. My br- um, brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews, and my brother just became a grandfather. So, oh, nice. So we, you know, went through schools, went through, um, I went to Rio Hondo College, uh, went to USC, studied public policy and management there, and um, just, you know, been really involved. I was one of the founders of the Wider Latino Coalition. 
So we founded in 1999, and we, you know, a lot of our goals back then was to increase civic participation of Latinos. We didn't see as much diversity in the city, um, commission, city council, um, the whole fabric um, of community of Whittier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think as the years progress and our advocacies progress, we, we decided um, to do a voter, California Voter Rights Act lawsuit. So that happened, I'd say, about six years ago. Um, you know, we advocated. We, we had, I was the spokesperson, as you know, we ended up with um, districts. Correct, correct. So s- around that time, for the last 10 years, just kind of been focused on family, got married, have kids, um, really just focused on my children. Mm-hmm. Um, um, have my business um, as I, I worked eight years in government, local government, and legislative and executive experience. Um, Representing the area in the assembly and state senate here in, in, in the two thousands. And you know, one of the things when you when you have kids and family, you you know, I wanted flexibility, so I had the ability to, um, you know, start my communications consulting. So I have clients, I have flexibility. And just really focus on being a father. Um, I think that was really important for me to do so. And and I had the the experience and the know how to you know create a business that allowed me to have that flexibility. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much who I am. Very cool. So in terms of profession, you say you're a consultant. Uh, uh, but I mean, can you go into a little bit of details of what that means? And oh yeah. Um, so I have I guess communications. So way back in college days, I, me and my two of my best friends developed websites, right? So we always nice. had that side gig. Yeah. Um, it was great money back then. Um, it was new. Um, did a lot of, um, you know, email marketing. One of our biggest clients back in the day was um, LPN, Latino Professional Network. So mm. that, we helped start that. Mm-hmm. Um, did a lot of work back then with Alejandro Menchaca. So it was, I'm an SC alum. He's SC. So a lot of Bruins and, and SC people came together and, and created that. Um, overall, now, transition almost 20 years later, I do a lot of um, – I work for labor unions. I do their internal communications. I do a lot of writing, media relations. Um, I do outreach projects, um, work for developers, um, knocking on doors, getting their feedback, getting un- understanding what community wants in order to do community benefits with developers. Um, um, do ca- campaigns. I do all types of different campaigns. I do political campaigns. Um, I do um, issue campaigns. Um, I contract with c- different cities to provide expertise, consultation, and also do outreach. So I do, you know, kind of do different things here and there. So it's literally communicating. I mean, you're yes. you're, you're the channel to from one person to the other. Yes, which is kind of cool. Very nice. Um, and why do you choose to live in Whittier? What keeps you here? Oh, family number one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know I, I I love the fact that Whittier always had that small town feel. I and you know my family's here and my family's very important. I'm had an opportunity to move away different times, and I just um, didn't like it. I, I, I just felt like I'm missing from home. So, again, I mentioned four generations of my family live here. And really what drives me is, you know, what to do with my children and the future of their children. Because, cause, you know, Latinos, I, I, we talk about people, and can we go back four or five generations and understand like, what is home? 
And I feel that building wealth and building longevity and having stability is really important generational for family. And um, Whittier's my home. I chose to make a you know stand for my <laughs> generation and for generations to follow me. And, yeah. and, and, and I talk to my brothers and sisters, and we all agree, and that's why four generations live here. Yeah. And it's all about the future for us. That's right. That's right. Uh, so this is Remo here. Sorry for, for coming in late. Oh, um, I did have a question. When you left Woodyear, where did you go to and then come back? What other cities did you? Oh, uh, you know, I had this one thing, kind of heartbreak, kind of where I went, and I, I, I actually went on a presidential campaign. Wow. So I worked on Obama's um, presidential 2008 presidential campaign. I ended up in Las Vegas, New Mexico. Oh, um, man, short of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right city, wrong is it state. The, is it, I know. Is it fun? <laughs> you know, it was interesting because I, t- I tell people it was like driving to New Mexico and, you know, realizing that two million people live in that entire state and how much space. And, you know, Las Vegas was a great little town because there was like population, I think, 12,000. Wow. Um, the, it was it, – it, it was so old. They still had the round style – you know, Indian protection, you know, the, the, the whole thing against that, the Old West. Um, and it's famous. One of the things says, we are where the Great Plains meet the south end of the Rockies and the, and the Great Desert. Mm. Like, it, it, it's interesting, it, very different culture, and I just got homesick. Um, I was there for about six months. Um, I, organ- I did my job organizing, the, you know, had to bring people together, had a great partner organizing out there. And I said, you know what, I'm going back home and organize in, in my town. And, and I did. And, and those are one of the places that I went to. And it just, yeah. you know, <laughs> Aren't there 2 million people in Whittier? Or <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it. It feels like it, yeah. yeah. That's cool. So, so uh, with that said, what are you, um, why is it that you're running for, uh, for mayor? You know, I thought about this long and hard, and, you know, it's difficult, you know, having been in the business, having been an advocate regarding the city for 20 years, um, I, I felt that when when we did break up the, the districts, it was changing, the, the dynamic of the council did change. I mean, we, we felt that there was um, the council, the way it's set up at the time before Voter Rights Act and the was you couldn't get get elected. There was no way. Um, now, you know, we saw diversity. You know, we we see new council members. But what I didn't like, and what I've always looked at, I'm always observing as a policy person, is how is a, where is the city heading? And you know, one of the main things that really I looked at is how people were being treated in terms of the homeless issue. I'm all about equity. I feel that equity and treating everyone with respect and dignity is key and vital. And things happened throughout the last year and even since the homeless, that how people were treated as if they're, they're not part of Whittier, they're not part of our community, that you know, those people have to go. And I thought that was really unfair, and, and I think it was, it was something that you know, kind of riled up my social justice you know, values of, you know, we need to treat people equally. Um, really, what? So I decided. I mean, I, I talked to my wife. You know, we all know, <laughs> and she's an organizer too, and you know, been involved. She actually, actually works for First Day, um, so we 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 know um, 
we know a lot about policy and we talk and we know what it takes. And it was a decision of, you know, I can make a difference. I know um, policy issues. I know I have the relationships. And I feel that, you know, things that I've worked on in the past is just a continuance of what I've done, um, but at a, an elected level. Um, you know, you know, been doing 20 years of advocacy, working for elected officials, building those relationships all of these years that, it, it, you know, now is the time to take it to a different and, and, and really push the agenda. Um, I feel that, you know, since being in campaign, I, you see the incumbents kind of steering more into a moderate policy shift than they were prior. So that's that's one of the reasons I was running. Interesting. So have you have you um, do you currently serve or have served any uh, volunteer organizations that you think would help you towards uh, your campaign um, or your position? I've served in different different um, nonprofits throughout the year. I've, um, I'm all about service. Um, again, I was one of the founders of the Weeder Latina Coalition. We literally spent 15 years of my life countless hours like analyzing advocating i mean we would meet with the police chief we'd meet with all the council we we'd we'd recommend policy so that was just one portion Mm -hmm. um professionally i was one of again one of the co-founders of what we call the madrinos padrinos leadership institute um back then we felt that there was a void of leadership of of individuals who were into public service and and being involved in you know, elected officials and such. Um, I, I co-chaired that organization for about eight years. Um, you know, a lot of great alumni came out of that. The current Speaker of the Assembly, who is a Whittier, local Whittier, right? Anthony Rendon was part of our, our, our group. Um, the current Insurance Commissioner, Ricardo Lada, was part of our group. So a lot of great public policy people with really ethical tries and issue of judge, social justice came out of that group. So that was two of my things. Um, locally, um, I was recently um, part of the treasurer of the sustainable city. So, you know, sustainability is a big issue for me. And, um, you know, great ideas, great projects, you know, grassroots, you know, working towards making sure that, you know, a lot of our policies are sustainability and, you know, green and, and looking to the future. Because I'm always yeah. about, I don't look at the Whittier's past and see how great it is. Because it wasn't great for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I always look at what can we do with the future and where are we at the present and how can we can create a better Whittier. Yeah. And that's what drives me. And that it was a great organization. I, I took a step back away given the, their, um, their current work. And I don't want to have any conflicts as mayor. I think, you know, conflicts on having that issue when you're serving in certain places. You want to take a step back. So currently I, I, I'm on leave. Um, but that's the gist of my volunteer organization. I'm really about serving. Right now, I guess I'm ASO coach and taking my kids to soccer games. <laughs> All the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. time job right there. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Hey, but that takes skills, right? It's uh, organizational skills, leadership skills. I mean, that's <laughs> oh yeah, that's a lot of work, man. Yeah. That's awesome. So I had a question. What is, uh, what do you, with that said, what do you think the biggest concern or that you hear from residents um, for the from the city? E- you know, I, I've been talking to people, going to door to door, and and talking to friends and family. I think it's it's consistent. The homeless issue and and what's going on in public safety is 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 key. I mean, I, I use my own experience. I go to Kennedy Park. It's close to my 
my my home and, and and I take my kids there and take them to Michigan and I take them to the parks and the, the bathrooms are locked and you know there's been two times already in the last year where my daughter she's five has to go to the restroom and the, like we couldn't make it right we're like oh my god baby. I don't know what to do and, and that's really frustrating for a parent and 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 more so you know knowing that my children have a bad memory of going to the park mm-hmm. i mean yeah, that's something course. i don't want to have and and i want them to have good memories and i think that those are the issues that are concerning more re- most residents is you know let's deal with this homeless issue Let, let's get our parks you know family friendly um let's let's have open restrooms i mean those are issues that i feel that that's a common theme and um and it, it, it's something that I wanted to address. Okay. Well, with, with that said, the, kind of a next question on the queue here is how would, would you address the uh, homelessness? Because like you mentioned, it's a, it's a big concern. Yes. And, um, you know, and obviously a lot of people want to hear that portion of it. So I, it is a concern. And really what drove me in the, the, the point of, you know, need, something needs to be done is – um, in 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 end of June of last year, there was a woman who was killed crossing the street at 11 o'clock at night on a Friday. She was homeless. She was a veteran. Um, she and nothing was heard about. You seen on social media. Um, it was right there by the green belt where they were camping out, and it was after that they were removed. And it really tugged my 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 heart mm-hmm. in terms of someone was killed and nothing was done about it and i think that was completely wrong um so i, I actually read a lot i'm advocate on the plan i actually advocate way back when first day 20 years ago i i, I lived on newland right and my mm-hmm. my um alleyway was the salvation army and they were doing um, first day, and I I went to council and said, you know, what? I support this. We have to have homes with, for people. We have to have places for them to go. Um, I wrote a neighbor, friendly neighborhood plan that drives my my thoughts in July. It's seven points of detailed of what things could be done. Um, but first and foremost, I think that we should treat human beings with dignity and respect. Um, I think we should have conversations. Mm-hmm. I think that this issue has been a wedge issue that everyone wants the same thing, but they're arguing over how to do it. Um, and, and I feel that at the end, we, we want our, our, our city to, to have a place for people to find dignity and, and, have, and, and things. So first of all, we need emergency beds. I absolutely believe we need emergency beds. Now, emergency beds is complex because, you know, is it families or is it single adults? Do they have drug addiction or do they have mental health issues? So when people think about we need emergency beds, well, they, all these individuals, these different segments can't go into one place. We have to have specialized services. But for for whatever reasons, you know, the city just keeps on talking about it. And it's been talking – we had the homeless plan for about a year and a half. We've been knowing about homeless issue for several years. We know it's growing. Um I think that we could remedy immediately is two things. One, get emergency beds um, 
you know, we have the winter shelter program, augment the winter shelter, make it year-round until we find some little bunch of solutions. And there are some policy issues coming down from the state that hopefully will help alleviate the, the issue. Um, number two, um, we need showers. There's nowhere to, for, uh, there's no public showers in Whittier. So if you, even if you find yourself homeless, um, where do you clean yourself? Where do you bathe? If you're looking for work and you're living on your car and you, you, you need to go to work, there's nowhere to do it. Um, I actually, you know, thought, and I think people do, is like, well, maybe you buy the $25 gym membership and go shower at Alley Fitness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it is, it, it's something that we should do because we need to provide our neighbors, our people that are homeless in Whittier, the ability to have some self-dignity and and being clean not only is someone's self-dignity, but it's also a public, uh, public health issue. So those are some of the ideas that I believe that could be implemented um, in regards to that, even though it's a very complex issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, yeah. And again, we're just trying to hear kind of what you're kind of, the way you would see it or kind of mm-hmm. go about it. Um, not necessarily going into exactly how you would do it, because yeah. you, like you said, that that is lengthy, and obviously that's uh, very detailed. Um, but but thank you for that. Um, the next question is, uh, what what would you do to, or what is your plan on retaining or attracting uh, local businesses in Whittier? Okay. Well, I'm a business owner. Um, I'm a fourth generation business owner. Um, my family has always worked on their own businesses and it's tough right business is tough you know you know i've been in you know working for my my family when in my teenage years when you can't you know make payroll because a big check bounce and you're like what do i do okay we're not going to get paid like we're going to pay our our staff or you know so there's things that happen business is always difficult so what would i do i think that one of the things we need to do is look at our ordinances and see how do we adapt the ability to increase entrepreneurship by home-based businesses. It's in growth. Um, you know, I looked at that. I, I work from home. Um, I recently got an office, and I, I feel like, you know, I do consulting, so I don't really sell product. But I do know that a lot of people are selling product. You know, they're, like, putting things up on Etsy and, you know, on on different, you know, eBay or whatever and selling and creating market. What we should do is encourage entrepreneurship in that respect and allow people to maybe store product in their garages, right? Because right now we're not allowed. Mm -hmm. Um, You look at policies that encourage this and support it, um, whether it's through the, you know, the library. I think the library, if there's a lot, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about co-working, but in other cities, they have, you know, private meeting rooms. They have full copiers. They have whole things that support entrepreneurship. Um, we need to, you know, look at that and do that and, and change ordinances. Um, I, I feel that those are some of the ideas, and we really shouldn't be sticking to big box retail. I mean, that, as we know, <laughs> a lot of major comp- retailers are going bankrupt, shutting doors. I mean, it's... We're counting the time that Sears is going to go down. And what are you going to do with all that space? You know, we have to be unique and look and see, how do we create this space that we know is going to come coming down the pipe? And there's no discussion about that. You know, it's like, let's put on our blinders and not look at it. We have to look to the future, and that is the future. I, I've seen that, you know, creating community space, all these retails where they're making smaller, you know, 
sub subsections so that people can do business. They, we can do incubators, right? So you can partner. We have two colleges in our city. Let's create a business incubator program and, and use these spaces that are soon going to be available to create businesses. So th- those are some of the ideas. I, I, I feel that business is changing, and we need to adapt. And um, adaptability is important. That's no, huge. Um, what what would you do, or how will you address the housing needs? Housing. You know, I, I, one of the things that here is we have you know housing crisis everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Where we live in LA County, California. I mean, yeah, <laughs> everything, right? You're like, wow, not Las Vegas, Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, we we need to look at different ways of doing housing. I believe the ADU is a good step. I think in my plan, I have a, I, I said that we should do 500 ADUs within the city. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a long term thing, mm-hmm. but I think when you have goals, then we can look at it and say, okay, how do we do that, and can we do that? Because right now, it's, we talk about ADUs, but we don't say, well, what can we really do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once we put a goal out there, and they say, okay, is it feasible to do it? Because then we have staff do analysis to see, okay, what's the feasibility to have this many? And is and can we? Um, I, I think that we should have more um, work with the developers and have um, non a little bit more non-market rate rents. I mean, I work with a developer. I know that the city, in one of the developments that I worked on, um, said, you know, we don't really want to talk about non-market rate units. And, and the and developer was willing to give a few. To, to, to get his CUP. Um, I think we have like 24 units in Whittier, right, right down the street on um, Pickering Penn. and Penn. Yeah, th- those are the only ones that for low income families, really rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, we need more. And, and we need to work with developers to create um, community benefit agreements. I mean, even with the, the, the Nellis development, I think we should have better outreach. I mean, I've done outreach. I know that it's pretty the norm in other cities to do outreach, but I think the city allows it to just go market rate. Like let's let's go without having discussions. What how having community interaction of how is this going to affect our neighborhoods? Because then the number one thing is traffic, right? Mm-hmm. Old developments can come up. Oh, we're going to put this. Well, traffic. Well, traffic is you know we if we're, it's not about the development and traffic, it's about well, what is the public transportation to meet that traffic? Yeah. You know, we don't talk about how because we need more housing. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. Um, other things in regards to housing, you know, we lost our SROs, our single room occupancy here in Whittier, um, right here. The was it the Bright Hotel? Yeah. Was it about 120 units and the one here on Greenleaf? Yep. You know, those are needed. Those are used. Yeah, they were they were going down, but we need to find ways because people would live in those areas, small single units. Si- like me, when I was in my 20s, I would live there. Okay, I'll share it right. Okay, if it's affordable and that's what I can afford, I'd go. Where do people go now? I mean, if I would have if my, if moved in 1991, is now 2021, I couldn't live on my own. Back then, I could. And, and what, do, what does it say that to about our younger generation? Stay home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we stay home. And I think that's what's happening, too. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. right. Yeah. So th- th- those are some of the issues that I, I, I would address and, you know, recommend policy. Because for me, it's what is the will of the people. And I feel that I, as, as an elected public official, 
you want to have conversations. I, I really don't like just having that three-minute, give me your opinion during my counsel and, and buy and we'll consider it. I, I think that conversations are, as a communication purpose are two-way. And when do you have two-week conversation regarding these big issues that the city is doing? Well, I believe in town halls. Like, let's have a town hall. Let's use the, the Internet. Let's, let's interact with people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, right now, our, our modes of communication at the city is one way. You get three minutes or two if there's too many people. Yep. It's not right. Yep, yep. And I feel that we should have more two-way in, in, in integration. And those are the way that you build community. Yep. It's having conversations. So obviously, it sounds like you're 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 for uh, development in terms of housing, yes. uh, whether it's kind of like what you said, apartments, uh, affordable housing, uh, or non-market rate uh, apartments, um, ADUs. You mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that you brought up the option or the idea about single room occupancies because that's some that's one that I don't think has been talked about uh, um, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I, I come from I come from doing projects out in in uh, in city of L.A. Okay. Uh, offices where you know at one point we were doing uh, you know mixed use, uh, but it was about that. It was about trying to be able to create something that's very efficient, um, and that efficiency translates to how much is it going to cost to build the project. Mm-hmm. And and I know we're having this conversation earlier about a developer. I mean, a developer looks at it cost, right? I mean, yes. how much am I putting in? How much am I going to get in return? Um, they're they're not in they're not in business to lose money, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, for them, they look at it at different ways. It's not just the money that they're putting in, but also the resources and in the time, mm-hmm. right? And so um, once you add all that up, if 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 you're building units that are uh, you know say a thousand square feet. But the market is not there for a thousand square feet. Then the next thing you got to look at is well, what is that efficient size? And and I think SROs are perfect for kind of like what you just said right now. Yes. That we're 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 seeing a new generation of kind of homeowners or slash uh, uh, renters, I guess, um, who that works for them perfectly. Yes. Um, and it's a different type of uh, living style, but it works. And cost-wise, it just makes sense both from uh, somebody who's paying into it, but also somebody who's investing into it. Um, I, you're right. I mean, the last two, two buildings that were here are no longer here, um, and that leaves a big gap in housing needs. And, and then, but and, and it's a certain population. I think yes. you're attracting, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned that we have two colleges here uh, nearby. I mean, you talk about perfect candidates for this type of homes. Mm-hmm. Um, or living style, right? Yes. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what your take is on that, Remo. But but I, it's. Uh, I have. A, I mean, a few different um, um, takes on it. So the first is outside. Well, Remo of, sells homes, so I, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, outside of the United States, <laughs> this type of housing is very common. Yes. Where I mean, in all other countries except the United States, yes. I think there's sometimes too much government that says it has to be a certain way, and that obviously creates uh, red tape around that. Um, you know, uh, so, so I, I get that. I, I think the single as now as a as a member of the community I, I think sometimes as a person not knowing much about them I think they might bring a negative stigma to them where people think well 
you know, what is that going to, is it going to turn into something else? And it just, I don't know. I, so because I have personal experience, we were selling the land where mm. the, what was it called? The village Inn. Yes. The, yeah. the one on Greenleaf. So, I mean, I, um, I saw that place come down and so, um, it's actually right there in Jesse's wall. So that yes. was the rendering <laughs> of that, that space. And, and so, um, so I, I have, you know, both feelings. I'm obviously pro housing. So <laughs> anytime something can be built, and obviously, as an investor, you always look at well, what am I putting in, like you mentioned, and what am I getting out. And when you have to build these thousand, you know, twelve hundred square foot one two bedroom apartments just because that's what the code says, but it's not practical, then it's then it's time to challenge what what are the needs of today versus what are these codes that were written, you know, years ago. And and, and I certainly agree with it because this type of housing. Is it new? I mean, mm-hmm. it existed in the 1800s, as yeah. you mentioned, it exists yeah. in other countries. Yeah. It was pretty common, and it met the needs. I mean, even with the co-op, where you you mm-hmm. can buy, if you're talking about mm-hmm. renters, and you know, okay, what's going, you know, that that's a vision of based on, you know, y- properties that have not been maintained for years and low level. Mm-hmm. But well, what well, what about co-op? You know, let's build those buildings, and you know, you have owners, and you own your co-op like a condominium, but yeah. then there's these shared spaces that. Yeah. You kind of had that ownership pride. Yeah. And, th- and those are other things that, you know, th- that discussion I don't believe is happening in council. Yeah. That, you know, how do we address this housing issue that is not going to disappear until we build? That's right. And what are the different yeah. options? There, there's a co-op project on Beverly, by the way. So right oh. when you do that turnaround or that where you, I don't know, make that slight right, slight left, depending on which side you're coming from. Right there, it's a, I think a two hundred unit co op uh, oh, building. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. right next to the new construction on on Beverly. Boulevard. Interesting. I, I just want to point out that obviously this conversation is um, is kind of I think going back to what you just mentioned earlier that we all kind of look back at the past, right? Yeah. With the history, and we all kind of glamour or, or look at it as like it, it's sacred that we should we should stick to it. But we're not really looking at the future uh, and, and how we should start setting ourselves up for that. I mean, this is one, I think, uh, idea or, or topic that I think we really need to look at because um, you're right. I mean, the, the, the way people are living nowadays, I mean, your yards are getting smaller. Homes are getting smaller. Um, right chair. Yeah. So I mean, parking is know, not as uh, – Cars are going away and, and – uh, or not going away, but they're – you're driving less, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I like that you you, you mentioned that and, and how this ties in together. Um, we'll, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, the other one is uh, how would you address crime in the city? Um, you know, I'm I'm really big about community policing. I think the biggest deterrent of crime is having a, 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 an, an active presence in your neighborhoods. Um, um, those are, you know, it goes back to the broken window effect. Um, it's a policy issue that you talk about, and it's pretty famous. It's like if there's a broken window, it attracts negativity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the same way when you develop policy in graffiti or any other issue is you want to maintain cleanness. And I think we're seeing that in an odd way in homelessness, right? It's the broken window effect. You know, well, do, do the, the tents and things bring other people and attract other people? Um, and it's been, I mean, scientific. It's been proven, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and we, we need, like, okay, let's, how do we fix this? At the same time, we have a budget issue. You know, you know sworn officers are really expensive, it's, it, it, it's, and we're dealing with a budget issue as a city. I feel that as a community organizer and, and knowing policy, the, you know, the easiest way to fix it 
is to build community and get a very strong, robust neighborhood watch program. Now, people will say, well, neighborhood watch is difficult. But when you put resources into it, then it, it becomes actually, it works pretty well. Um, right now, you have to rely on me as you know, homeowner or you know, resident. They say, you know what, I want to organize. And then you call the PD and they're like, okay, well, here, this is what you do. You organize your neighbors and call us and we'll show up. And it's a sworn officer. It's one person that's really working on it. I feel that we can save budget. We can be proactive if we hire non-sworn officers like community organizers to go and say, you know what, your duty there is your public safety uh, coordinator of the neighborhood watch programs. And your job is to organize neighborhood watches in communities, make sure they meet, get to give the residents the help they need, empower the residents so that they can help police and find out what are issues in their community because they're always all different in each neighborhood. Right, yep. And you're, we're going to communicate with the sworn officers and use their time effectively when we need to address crime issues and law enforcement issues. And that's my idea. I, I feel that, you know, talking to residents and talking to people, yeah, I mean, well, let's, let's use our resources efficiently but also smart in a way that, you know, let's look at traditional things that work and let's, let's augment them. Let's make them updated. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's use technology to communicate. And, and it's, you know, our police officers work really hard. And you hear, like, oh, they're answering all these calls all the time. Well, let's empower residents to, you know, some of the things that could be worked out where we don't need to have a swarm officer come and, and deal with something. I mean, like, let's, again, use our off- efficient. I think that that's a way to address, and it's been proven to address, um, you know, crime, um, you know, whether it's break-ins um, stealing, you know, bicycles, um, stealing packages off people's doorsteps, all that. You know, those are ways to address it. Well, I mean, I, I agree. I tell you, my wife is the best neighborhood one. <laughs> I say that because anytime she, she's hired, tell her she's hired. <laughs> so, uh, just a personal example of how that happens. So, we're close with our neighbors. Mm-hmm. So, anytime there's a vehicle parked, you know, my wife is out the window looking at it texting our neighbors is that someone you know and should we call the cops and just you know pretty i hope she's not listening to this but (laughs) (laughs) um and then the other you know the use of technology i i i think obviously brings the community together and you can um disseminate information quickly and share Mm -hmm. it you know we're on next door and on the ring app and that I, I'm sure it was intended for that. What ends up happening, my yeah. personal use, is it's Coyote Watch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and I live in an area where there's a coyote every week. So, um, but but you're absolutely right on that point. But imagine having a, a professional from the city managing it. Yeah. Then and then you don't allow just yeah you know everything happening. I, I mean, I'm on next door too, and and I invite my neighbors, and then you see these interesting discussions of. Oh, this person's just walking through the neighborhood. I'm sure I'm I'm getting called on next door and stuff because I'm going knocking on doors and asking, <laughs> yeah. and I see the ring. I feel like, hey, look, I'm it's me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. You, you just gotta <laughs> give your presentation on the ring app because that's that's what it comes to. Yeah. So uh, no, but that I, I feel that building community again yeah. goes back to you know helping address that without going um, going into the big expenditure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think that the police. Um, and law enforcement is, is something that we need to address. You know, we're growing our city, right? More housing, yep. more growth. Well, we need more law enforcement, which means we need more budget. Yep. And how do we 
how do we look at those policy issues and be effective, but you know, and provide increase our quality of life, while at the same time live within our means. Yeah. And I think those are important issues. We had a conversation, remember a year or two ago, about Uptown. We had a conversation about the homelessness in Uptown and just not even the homelessness, but sometimes I, I call it the riffraff, the people that are up to no good, that mm-hmm. you know that they're looking for an unlocked car and so forth. And, you know, our, we kind of not decided, but we, the conclusion was that if you bring housing to Uptown and you mm-hmm. get someone that comes down from their apartment, assuming this is an apartment, who walks their dog and they're more vigilant about what's going on, that tends to just kind of – then you get the next person doing it. And all of a sudden, it's no longer acceptable to have that broken window, you know, let's say downstairs because then whoever hangs out here is no longer hanging out here. Yeah. So the community policing, I think, is, is something that's that's huge. That's needed, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we talked about obviously uh, staying within budget. Uh, the next question is, how would you address long-term financial stability for the city? Okay. Well, and I, I, I know there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot to it, but if you could just give us your kind of take on how you would look at it. Well, you know, one of the things you know, I, when I worked for the state senate, um, I was hired in as a consultant to manage the budget crisis that we're dealing with because of the Great Recession. So I, I really knew about the budget. I knew what happened. You know, I was the, pers- the point person to go into the different cities within this area um, and school districts and talk about budget. And, you know, people were really upset back then. We, we cut redevelopment, right? The state got redevelopment, which was a big mistake, and I think we need to bring it back, especially address our housing issue, because that was a great tool for cities to use um, to build and yeah. use incentives for developers. But... Given that, the city has known that this has been coming down for a long time. I mean, they were prudent enough in, in the council to save this rainy day fund of the CalPERS fund, right? So we have some re- reserves. But, I, you know, one of the things I've seen in the past year is this really, and I'm going to say last minute, you know, we're going to cut the entire park staff. You know, I don't agree with that. I think that was completely wrong policy issue, and and I, I feel that that was just a reactionary. And again, it goes back to looking the past and reacting to what's going on rather than planning and and making the cut slowly and doing things prudently. Um, if we do need to look at our 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 staff, you know, whether it's parks or whatever, and see what do what do we have here? What do we need? What can we contract out? Um, one of the things that we do that I've seen and I know I've seen in other cities and I don't believe we have here is having um, a full-time um, grant writer. You know, let's look for grants nonstop. Um, I know there, there, there are grant writers who contract out and they don't get paid unless they receive the grants. Mm-hmm. So there's ways of getting monies out there, not using our paid staff and, 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 the, and, and the people within the city. But, you know, let's incentive. So th- those are one way to get money. Um, another way, I, I, and I go, I, I, sit on the, on the, I sit on the Sustainable City Board, is let's look at green. Let's look at, I would love to take the city and all their facilities off the grid. Let's generate our own power. Let's put solar everywhere. Let's, that would save us so much money. Because we're going to have to pay for that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're generating our power. And maybe at one point we're generating enough power we can resell it. Now it's become a, a revenue. 
you know, source. Um, I definitely, I'm a Cal's purse person. I, I, I know, understand the Cal's poor issue. And I definitely don't believe in pension spiking. I feel that executives who are about to retire get their little bump to get their, you know, max out on their pension. I don't agree with that. Um, yeah, it's great for that individual, but what is it great for the greater good and taxpayers? Correct. I, I think that I know it happens. I've seen it happens. I don't agree with it. Um, if you know that you have a contract with an executive who's making one hundred seventy-five, two hundred fifty thousand, and you're going to spike him up so that he max out, that's wrong. You know, it, it, I would have uh, issues with that as mayor. I think that you know you, you, they get paid pretty good. Well, as a resident, I mean, I think it should be. Should be a concern too, right? I mean, yeah, and they get paid pretty good. I mean, you're an yeah. executive and you're on CalPERS for thirty, thirty-five, whatever, how many years? I mean, you're getting paid over a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand on your retirement. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's yeah. good money on retirement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, and I think that those are issues that I would look at and address. Um, I, I, I'm not about again looking to the future, planning, making. Um, changes and shifts according to our needs and staying within our budget. Um, definitely advocating for the state. I mean, I, I've worked for the state. I think that getting money in to help us within our air, um, I mean, we, there has a surplus. And, and when I was talking to a friend, I'm like, why don't they just give it back to the residents, the taxpayers? Like, no, yeah. we're like, we have this big multi billion yeah. dollar surface. Give it back. Yeah. Like, it's not your money. It's surplus. You yeah. pay for what you need. Yeah. So if you're not going to address homeless and housing, you're not going to bring back redevelopment, then send it back to the to the taxpayers. Yep. Yep. Let them spend it. Yep. Right? Uh, th- those are things. So then what spending begates revenue into yep. the coffers. Um, so the, those, are, those are some of the issues in terms of long-term s- s- financial stability. Again, it goes back also to incre- um, entrepreneurship, supporting those new – their new way of doing things online and selling because everything adds up. I mean, yep. they collect sales tax. Yep. You're, you're paying sales tax. Where is that? So if you're having, if I'm selling oranges that I grew in my yard on, on Instagram and mm-hmm. Etsy, whatever you sell them, and I am have to pay sales tax on there, that's revenue. Yep. So why not support it? Yep. So th- those are ways that I, I feel that we can um, address the long-term financial stability. Is we have to look at to the future, we have to adjust, and we have to mitigate any challenges we need, we, we foresee. Very cool. I was going to say take half the budget and go to Vegas. And <laughs> <laughs> go, buy, go buy Las Vegas, uh, New Mexico. No, and, uh, not New Mexico, <laughs> the, real, the, the one more west. <laughs> All right. Um, now, we have a, a couple local questions sure. for you here, and these are going to be the ones that really get people in trouble. Okay. So I want to make sure that you think hard and uh, long about this. And so what do you think uh, is missing in the city? Maybe something that you drive uh, out of the city for? Uh, I, I know this for a fact. Um, we are missing soccer facilities. Um, I am really disappointed in – we have – Two great programs in Whittier. It's like amazing, right? We have two soccer programs. Mm-hmm. Families, and we end up by the end of summer playing on dirt, right? You go to other cities and they have the turf and the soccer, and and you know these are nonprofit, you know private private public partnerships. Mm-hmm. 
great programs. Yep. Why don't Whittier have it? Yep. And, and I think it really goes down to leadership. Yep. And you know, where is where are your values and where, where, what are you really representing? And, and for me, I, I have two kids. Again, I, I want them to. These big organizations haven't created problems. No, they've been here for years. So why haven't we addressed that? Yep. yep. You know, so that those that's one missing. Um, I, I think that not really else. I mean, I'm, I'm in dad mode right now. So <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And, and it's interesting you say that because you would think that um, most people that we ask, like, why it, why did they come to Whittier, or why did they decide to stay in Whittier? And it's usually because they this is the you know they were building a family mm-hmm. uh, and so they wanted to bring, raise a family yes. where in a better community and so forth right and Whittier was a perfect place, but it's interesting that just what you said right now about not having facilities to be able to do recreational sports like that for a family, it does not make sense. Yeah. It's like if, if people are moving here for a specific reason, why don't you tailor to those families? Um, so, anyways, well, I always ask why in the shuffleboard court on Broadway, yeah. no one uses it. Why don't we put a basketball court there? Yeah. I've, you know, I've, I've talked to council members about that. I've talked to people like, why is that there? That's just like a misuse of our facilities. Put a basketball court there. Because back it, in my days, we yeah. used to play shuffleboard. <laughs> well, so is it because it's historic? <laughs> is it? Well, it was an interesting answer. One of the someone said, "Well, yeah, you know, Lewis, that people will be upset if we get rid of that." Like, wow. no one uses it. <laughs> like, it's you know, holding down back to that memory of yeah. what the sixties or seventies when people were playing shuffleboard. Like, yeah. that that's unused property, and we we should use that again back for families or people who want it. And ask the neighbor, "Hey, we have this." This piece, this recreational area, what do you want to do with it? Yeah. Whether it's basketball. I mean, I know the, the tennis courts are used a lot. Yeah. Um, I know we did the Kaboom, and that was a great project to re-facilitate that, that small little park, that Broadway park. But, you know, let's think about these things. And yeah, let's, yeah. let's, like, how do we make families? Because I know that a lot of people are selling, and there's families moving into that yes. little neighborhood. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, my kid went to the preschool right there, Latin Lassie, and, you know, it's it's all about families for me. So I, I'm definitely in dad mode and what we're missing and what yeah, we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, as we're still in dad mode, what are some of your go-to spots here in Whittier? <laughs> you, maybe a place you like to uh, frequent often, yeah, eat. Where do people find you? Yeah. You know, one of the things – so in my in the 90s, you know, did my 20s, I was all over the place up here. I think now it's I'm looking for kid-friendly things, right? So Friday – Evenings when my kids are all happy, I usually I'm at Brick House, right? They get the slice of pizza and the little drink, and they're all happy. Instead of me ordering a big old pizza and not having yeah. all this leftover pizza in the fridge, yeah. it's like, so go to Brick House. Um, that's very cool, and they're very happy. They like going to the games and like doing that. Um, I've always, I, I like Azabu. I, you know, mm-hmm. I've always been going to Azabu mm-hmm. for years, and um, that's like one of the spots that I'll go and just chill and. You know, have a meal with my wife and um, and kind of hang out. Um, parks, I think that's why parks are important. You know, if, again, my kids, right? We're going to go to the park. Oh, you know, they're all excited. Oh, we're going to walk the trail. So these are family-centered sure. activities that, you know, that's taking up my time right at this point in my life. Um, and then shopping, 
<laughs> Again, I, you know, I'll, I'll do my my own personal because I'm all I love um, vintage and antiques and stuff. So I like to go to King Richards. <laughs> so if I'm like, okay, I want some me time and I'm going to hang out and wander around for an hour, I'm going to be at King Richards and just kind of browse and. Have look. you ever bought anything at King Richards? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it's good to go look at stuff. But oh yeah. That's the reason why King Richards still in business because of him. I, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure people buy stuff, but I go in there. I've been in there a couple times, and you don't see anyone. You just see the stuff. Right, yeah, and yeah. It's almost like part mu- museum, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, and part like you might get someone there that'll sell you something. But it, it was, it was different than what I thought going into it. Well, it's all for me. It, it, not only do I like the old stuff, but I also think it's reuse and and kind of like not going to the consumerism of always buying something new, new, new. I bought my father-in-law, and I'll share a story. Of what I bought recently. So my father-in-law is from Jalisco, and he was a cowboy. I mean, literally, he, there's a photo of him with a, a side, on a horse with a sidearm and cowboy hat. <laughs> but he's a 6'1", blonde-haired, blue-eye oh, from man. Jalisco, yeah. right? And so I said, you know what? I'm going to get him something cool. You know, So I looked and looked, and I found this awesome ceramic mid-century 1960-something bull. And it had, like, the, the layered gold and... And I said, you know, I was all excited. I was like, oh, this is yeah. a fine. I just love you said it. bull, like a bullhorn? Uh, like or bu- a, a bull, like okay, a, okay. A, a ceramic bull okay. that was like green and, you know, that 60s green but with gold and like uh-huh. 10. So, what bull was an animal bull? Yeah, okay. a bull. Okay. A bull. A toro. A bull. There you go. And I bought it. I got it from it. I was like, so that was like something that. Yeah, very one, unique. Yeah, very <laughs> unique. Great condition. He loved it. I was like, okay, yeah. So those are things that, you know, yeah. I'll buy gifts or I'll buy something for myself. Yeah. Um, uh, my kid is all into the Hot Wheels, so we go to the Hot Wheels store next door and nice. kind of mm-hmm. search around. You know, they had their 50th year anniversary last year, right? So oh, wow. we were all like, Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels. Yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, those are the things that I, I'll do. And, you know, I think the character of, of Whittier is, is always changing through my different because through, you know, the 30 years that I've lived here, it's always switched, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember both sides of the equator bookstore where they had the Latino bookstore back there, you know, and Tim was there, and that was the 90s. Um, so, you know, it, it changes, it's dynamic, and I think that there's a little bit for everything in Whittier. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So, Louis, um, with that said, uh, where where can uh, people find you uh, on social media if they want to know a little bit more about you and how do they kind of contact you? Do you want to give us your, your – uh, Okay. Well, so I'm pretty much an open book on, you know, Louis Reyes, Whittier, you know, all kinds of information about me, you know, always been as an advocate. Um, Louis Reyes on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, pretty much I think – um, my Facebook page for the mayor is Louis R. Reyes um, and LouisReyes.org for my website. So it's, it's pretty simple. There you go. So we'll put that in our show notes. So if people want to uh, follow you, they can uh, look that up again. Um, but again, I, mean, I guess. Uh, you know, I, a quick question. Um, sure. And I don't know if it's too early for this, <clears throat> but are, are candidates already uh, putting together? Meetings where they're meeting the community. Do you have any of those maybe coming up in the future where you want to? Yes, I'm doing some meet and greets. I usually with residents home and the residents invite Got their it. neighborhoods, Got neighbors. It. So it's kind of like you know, I, I, I think um, 
my next one, I, it's actually so I asked them like, do you want this public or yeah, not? Yeah. And and it's it's really their decision because they opened their private home God. for it. Um, um, so um, if someone wanted to open up their residence, they would contact sure. you and they can gather. Yeah, I would love to talk to people. I love talking. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of private overall as an individual, but when I get into small groups, I like to open up my talk and I really you know, would love to hear what people's interests are and, you know, my vision of Whittier and as the mayor. And, you know, I, I think that um, those are great conversations to have during election times and, and hopefully they continue after election times. So yep, those yep. are important. All right. Luis, Luis, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Great. Uh, We wish you the best. And uh, when you do become mayor, we'll have to bring you back. Okay. Um, Love to have it be there. And with that said, thank you. Thank you. Bye, Whittier. See you later, Whittier. Thank you. Bye.